1: because it's wednesday today and tomorrow the last two days of the show uh... for this year and of course we'll be back in january but we've got such a lineup for you starting with dr Doreen grant pichet is here live this morning and i know uh... you guys love it when she's here live because you get to ask questions and that's a wonderful thing and we're going to go over all the ways you can ask questions Um, but super thrilled to have her on the last Wednesday of the year. You know, she tries to be here as often as she can on Wednesdays, but she has a lot of things to do and a lot of places to go and a lot of kiddos to help. So we always defer when she can't be here, but it's always a bigger thrill when she can be here. So she is here. You can be writing in your questions right now. In fact, Let's talk about all the different ways that you can connect with us here on the show. Gabe's gonna show you a bunch of different ways that you can connect. They've changed a little bit since we were here last week. I know we've been threatening and promising that there was a new website, and we had it in beta. We're testing it, and it is we are live on the new website right now. So you no longer have to go to the beta, and I didn't even tell Gabe, so he probably is showing you beta. If you go to autism, live.com, you will see the new website in all of its glory, and you will see. Um, that the live show is sort of taking up all of the space around it. You can close that if you want to, or you can watch the live show full screen. I do want to let you know that the chat has moved and been rearranged a little bit so that it's so much more user-friendly on our end so that we can get to your comments quicker. If you just take your cursor and go to the bottom of the screen, you will see a little box pops up that says, ask a question and all you have to do is type and hit enter and it will show up here on my screen at least that's the way it's supposed to work let's see let's take it for a test drive right um but there are other ways that you can get a hold of us too and we do want to remind you that and gabe is showing you all the websites you can find us on facebook you can find us on youtube on roku on itunes Uh, we're a free download in all of the places that you can find us and if there's a place that you know about that we're not there I would love it if you would email me or message me and we'll make sure that we find a way to be there as well. We've got some changes that are coming in January that I'm really excited about for Autism Live, so uh, you know, I, we are going to take a couple of weeks off here during the holidays because I know you guys are busy. We have thousands upon thousands of hours, if you're missing us, that you can watch. And the new website has made that easier than ever before. Um, but we will be back. Have no fear. Okay, um, that's pretty much that. I, uh, if, you, if you really are one of those people that hate change and you have a really hard time with the new website, I want to encourage you to give it a chance. Breathe through it. You know, it's good for us to be flexible. I, I have a hard time with change myself, but it's good to be flexible. If you really can't stand it and you just need things to be easy for you today, you can always go back to our old site. You can find that at www.old.com autism-live.com, and you can have the experience that you are so very used to. Uh, we will be checking the comments on that site for probably another month, and then we're going to be shutting that site down um, so that you'll you really need to learn how to ask the question on the, the new site, which is autism-live.com live.com. All right, having said all of that, why are we wasting time? We have Dr. Grand Pichet here. It's time for Ask Dr. Doreen.
2: Dr. Doreen Grand Pichet is the, Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grant Pichet. Dr. Grand Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grant Pichet.
1: Dr. Doreen Grant Pichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Yes, Dr. Doreen. We're here with Dr. Doreen Grampiche. Morning. I just couldn't be more delighted. My face hurts when you're here because I just <laughs> smile more and I smile harder.
3: It's always uh, nice to be here, Shannon. I'm so happy a to be back. Thrill. And for people who
1: don't know, who might be tuning into us for the first time, Dr. Doreen Grampiche is a true expert in the field of autism. I believe the preeminent expert in autism in our time, in any time. Uh, I don't. I have met a lot of people over the last 14 years. Um, 10 of which I've been covering autism and interviewed a lot of people and I don't know anyone who knows more than you do and I don't know, Thank I haven't you. met anyone who cares more than you do. Thank you so much. And I also, I, very kind. You're, you're wicked smart, as they say in <laughs> Boston. You. She's wicked smart. And um, <laughs> uh, you are, I think, the, the person that I, when I think about trying to be a better person and being better at perspective taking, I think. What would Dr. Pichet do? That's
3: because you're so good at Way too nice of you, Susan. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I, you. I,
1: I I mean it. So because I do think, uh, especially within the autism community, you are so good at perspective taking, and looking at it from the point of view of the individual who's on the spectrum, which is very important. Um, looking at it from from the perspective of the parent, which a lot of people only look at it that way Mm -hmm. and other people won't look at it that way and I think it's a valid perspective that has to be looked at but you look at it from the whole family, the siblings. You look at it from the practitioners, the people who are working with these individuals, and, and try to figure out how can we all come to the table and do what's right for these individuals. And that's right. an amazing right. thing. Well, I, thank you. I say it behind your back all the time that you're the real deal and that I would follow you into a burning I building. I love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love you more. <laughs> there we go. Um, but having said all that, we like to give a disclaimer at the start of the show that there is no expert in any field, but especially in autism, that that could give individual specific advice in this particular format. It wouldn't be fair, it wouldn't be right, right? Uh, Because they don't have an opportunity to be with the individual and really get to know them, and this is not a one-size-fits-all field. Definitely. So um, Dr. Grampy will be answering your questions, but keep in mind that she's gonna answer them in a general format with the thought to help you to get information to take you to the next step, which might be having an expert sit down with you or the individual so keep that in mind but I know families write in all the time for how grateful they are I hope you one of our viewers sent lovely gifts to us I sent it upstairs to you wasn't that the sweetest thing yes that's
3: so nice I wanted to have a chance to say thank you that's so thoughtful and I have not had a
1: chance to to send a thank you but we I was so moved by it I just thought that was so delightful we got
3: delicious Cadbury chocolates and there was also a very beautiful silver ornament in the package. Thank you very much. That's really kind of it you and I'm really so glad fun. that we're able to help you in any way we can.
1: Yes. Yes, it's so uh you do not need to send gifts, let me be clear about yes, that, yes. but it was so meaningful. And it's so
3: thoughtful to
1: us when we find out that we've been able to help somebody in any way. Um, you know, I'm just the the switchboard here, but it means a lot to me to know that we're we're getting something done and I know how much it means to you when people let you know that you've made a difference.
3: Definitely, especially if they're so far away, you know, that yeah. that means we have some ability to be effective for families in Ireland. That's amazing to me.
1: I you know, technology is such a wonderful thing and I try to remind Honestly. myself of that on all the days that it's not working for me Honestly. in the right way, that it, you know, what an amazing time we live in. Okay, but we're going to get to questions here because that's the important thing today. So somebody had written in and said, do you have any tips
3: for aggression in yeah. a nonverbal autistic four-year-old? Right, so, you know, and this is uh, one of those situations Well, I will try to give some advice right now, but I think that if you have a child who is aggressive, you should seek out help from a professional. I see Gabe coming in and I'm wondering if we're okay. No, no, we're (laughs) totally okay. He he adjusts, so don't mind him. (laughs) Okay, great. So um, I do think that it would be helpful to have help from a professional because handling aggression in your child is not an easy thing. But let's talk about why a four-year-old would have aggression. Um, it's funny. I just did a, a sort of a FaceTime kind of evaluation for a family in Spain, oh. and we were talking about their child, and they ran through all these various symptoms, and this was a, a seven-year-old, and they had a, um, all kinds of challenging behaviors, including aggression, and um, it was very eye-opening to them when I told them, you know, aggression or uh, any of these challenging behaviors, really, they are they are not part of the symptomology of autism, they are a side effect of having autism. They're the result of not being able to communicate appropriately. And if you think about it, any one of us, when we are um, like angered by something, or upset, or uh, worried, or uh, you know, in any way disappointed, or sad, or whatever it is, um, and if we're not able to communicate that, what do we do? We yell, we tantrum for all practical purposes. Um, you know, th- those who haven't matured well even will phys- have physical altercation. So, aggression is a form of communication. All challenging behaviors are a form of communication, and they have to be seen as such because the key to figuring out how to get rid of challenging behaviors is you have to figure out what the reason is for the behavior. And it's hard because when you have a child who's hitting you, let's say, or biting, spitting, whatever form of aggression, your, your reaction is not to calmly try to figure out why is he doing this. Your reaction is either to like be punitive about it or avoid it or give in, right. which is what we generally do. So uh, the important thing is that to find out the reason, or to figure out the reason, in in ABA terminology, we call that the function of the behavior. The function of the behavior is is the reason the behavior is occurring. And generally speaking, it's I, I find it very easy um, for myself, and I think it would be helpful for parents if you think of generally every behavior we do is for two reasons and it's it's to avoid something or if it's it's to gain access to something so uh, what do we like to avoid what do our children try try to avoid usually they're trying to avoid demands like go do something so they're trying to avoid that or, or locations, uh, going to school, for instance, mm-hmm. or people. You know, they're trying to avoid some situation. Sometimes a sensory thing, the, like so, a sound. A hundred percent. Sometimes it's a sound or a light or something mm-hmm. that's really disturbing to them. Um, and what are they trying to gain access to? Uh, those would be anything, like attention, a toy, a certain food, um, you know, back, uh, the backyard so I can run around, whatever it is. So it's always a combination, it's one or the other or a combination of avoidance and trying to gain. So when your child is aggressive, you have to ask yourself if they could communicate, what would they actually be saying? And most of the time the child would be saying, can I have something? Or no, I don't want to do that. And because the child can't communicate that, instead they will aggress now what happens when they aggress uh, is also very important that's the consequence to the behavior and usually when a child aggresses what happens is everybody around that child pretty much backs off and gives in that's very very common just think about it like if a child aggresses in the classroom what do we do we generally will take the child for a walk outside well what if the child, uh, their intent, their, their the reason for aggressing was they didn't want to be in the classroom. By taking them out of the classroom, what they learn is aggression is effective. It works. It gets me what I want. Let's say a child wants a toy, and they hit another child, and they get the toy. Getting the toy is rewarding, right? So what it does is it teaches the child in their head, that was pretty effective. All I have to do is hit. So that is what maintains aggression, is that it works. And in ABA, what we do is we make sure that it doesn't work anymore. Aggression doesn't actually get what the child was intending to get. So let's say the child is trying to avoid a situation and they aggress. We make sure that they don't get out of that situation. So, for instance, if I place a demand, if I tell the child, Um, you know, uh, it's time for dinner, and the child's trying to avoid coming to dinner, and they aggress and tantrum and all that sort of stuff, I will make sure that I still get my child over to dinner. I will bring the child over and sit them down at dinner and just ignore the aggression because it's important for the child to learn the aggression is ineffective. Um, instead, though, I have to give my child now another way to communicate, right? So the way to do that is to teach communication. Some children are nonverbal, that's okay. We start with nonverbal ways of communicating anyway. And those would be things like sign or PEX, picture exchange communication system, or just touching an icon to communicate, the very basic form of a PEX program. Um, some children are verbal and we teach them verbally. Some of the children who are nonverbal later become verbal and we switch it over to a verbal form of communication. But that's where ABA becomes super important because when you're teaching your child that their current way of communicating doesn't work, you must teach them also a way that does work. So let's say a child wants a, a food item or a drink And what they're used to doing is hitting to get your attention so that they can get the object they want. If you're going to ignore that, you still need the child to have some other way of communicating that they want what they want. And that has to happen almost simultaneously or even first. Because we never want to ignore a child and then not have any idea what they want. Because that challenging behavior might dissipate, another one will creep in. So that's the answer to to aggression in nonverbal children. What I would recommend for you is, um, a a lot of what I said is very simple because I've been doing it for years and years. It's very, very hard when it's your child and you don't have an ABA background. So what I recommend very much is if you go on a website for Institute for Behavior Training, IBT, and the website, I believe, is ibehavioraltraining.com ibehavioraltraining.com and there you will find uh, small short modules of training that we've prepared for parents and you can go in there and specifically look for tips for dealing with aggression and the module will train you on how to manage behaviors, how to handle challenging, difficult behaviors it will teach you all the basics of ABA, I would suggest you spend as much time as you can learning more about these different techniques that you can use. Um, and not only will you learn how to manage behavior, but you can also then learn other things. Like you can learn how to teach your child and how to uh, get your child to socialize and, and get them out there and lots of very useful things on IBT's website. Absolutely, absolutely. and And honestly, you know, as a parent, This all sounds
1: like, I don't know, uh, you know, like it's very far away from you when you first hear about this, but they actually graph when, you know, your child's behaviors. And and they're challenging behaviors. And it can be, you know, steeply going up. And then they will start to graph when they are teaching your child some form of communication. And there's this thing that happens on the graph, and I always call it the magic X. Yes. Because as they teach the communication, the challenging behavior goes down. Right, right. And that is when your life gets good. Yes. Is when you see the magic X on the graph. It's like the first breath that a parent takes and goes, oh right this is doable my right. child can learn I can learn and you know we're cutting off the blood supply of this behavior that wasn't working for us Absolutely. we're just cutting it off and then but we're making sure that we're teaching them something else the magic x comes and I'm telling you you can you can feel it mm-hmm. I never used to like graphs I'm not a data person I should be but I'm not but you feel the stress level go down in everyone in the child in the parent when that magic X appears, definitely, and everybody goes, "Wow, this works and this is amazing,"
3: definitely. And and you make a really good point. This is one of the toughest things for parents, I think, because you know, in the beginning, when you start to like, for aggression, for instance, as uh, you either block it or ignore it, right, it will get worse before it goes away. That's actually called an extinction burst. It's a it's a specific thing that happens where the behavior gets worse before it decreases and goes away. And the reason for that is if you think about it mentally, the child is thinking, wait a minute, this aggression used to work in the past. Why aren't they giving me what I want? I'm going to do it more. I'm going to do it louder. I'm going to be more aggressive. And bef- and they, because they think by being more aggressive, they're going to get the attention or the object yeah. or avoid what they wanted to avoid. And when, when they don't, that's when it's, a, it's like an aha moment for the child. We're like, oh, that did, isn't working, working anymore. anymore. Wait a minute. This communication thing is working. Exactly. And so I'm going to use this. It's easier. And I get my way. And yeah. I don't have to have a 20-minute tantrum. And
1: parents tend to freak when the extinction burst comes because they go, this isn't working, it's when so in scary. fact it's, it's the so sign that it is it working. It is
3: working, that's right.
1: And the example that I always give for extinction burst is uh, something that I actually did. You know, I walk into our bathroom every day and I flick on the light, and the light comes on, and, right? and so I'm used to this behavior. We were having a problem with the bathroom light, and one day I went in and I flicked the light, and the light did not come on. Now, I'm an intelligent person. I'm not on the autism spectrum, but what was the behavior that I did? I stood there and very quickly flicked it up and down, up and down, up and oh, down. there you go. Because I was used to, I do this and it works. So I stood there and then I had the thought, I'm having an extinction burst with <laughs> the light switch. But... Quickly I realized it's not working. I need to go do something else to get the light to come on. Right. I need to find a repair person, is what right. I need to do. Right. right? But that so just know there's nothing wrong or strange or weird about your child. It's actually, you know, Normal it's a behavior behavior yeah. thing. Um and it is the sign that it's working it's before working. they change their mind. So we don't have to freak. You just go, oh, look at that <laughs> extinction burst. Normally that would freak me out, but I'm okay today.
4: That's um, right. That's but
1: right. please avail yourself of the help that, that Dr. Grand Pichet is talking about. www.ibehavioraltraining.com. Wonderful site. I love how inexpensive oh, the yeah. trainings are. And you can you what you act it's like Between $7 and I think the most expensive one is like $22. You can't buy a book for that, right? Honestly. And it's a video where experts are explaining to you, and you can watch it, and then you can have your significant other watch it, and then you can have your babysitter watch it. Uh, You know, it's a fabulous thing. Thank you, Gabe, for putting it up there. iBehavioraltraining.com. It's a fabulous thing. And guess what? It's available at 2 o'clock in the morning no matter which time zone you're in. That's right. Um, You know, it's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So sometimes... You don't get the child to sleep until 3 o'clock in the morning and you go, what can I learn now? Eye behavioral training is there for And by
3: the way, there's also a module about getting your child to sleep.
1: And we're (laughs) going to talk a little bit about that because we had a question that came in uh, on YouTube. We also have a question that came in on Facebook that we're going to get to about a child who uh, has dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. But first, we're going to take a break. So stick with us, guys. We're going to be right back after these messages.
5: Hey, I'm Candace cameron Bure. Tom Bergeron. You're watching
2: Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live.
1: You're watching Autism Live.
6: Hey, welcome back to Autism Live. We heard you. Everybody wants- Macaroni and cheese. Yeah, but we're gonna make it allergy free, but here's what's the crazy part of this macaroni and cheese. It's actually healthy. We're and it gonna, tastes good. Yeah, <laughs> it tastes really good. <laughs> That's the most important part. <laughs> so we're gonna start, we got our water boiling. Um, there's so many variations on the pasta. Um, we're using today a corn pasta. We can verify with the manufacturer that we have a GMO free product. So let's go ahead and put that in there. Ooh, and if you don't mind stir that sure. up for me, my friend. Now it's sticking a little bit to the bottom, yeah. is that okay? We maybe add a little more high heat oil okay. and spread that around again. One thing you gotta know about gluten-free pasta, if you overcook this, it becomes mush. Let's move this guy over to the Stop other it. burner so you can see what I'm doing. And now we're gonna start with the old macaroni and cheese sauce. What's great is there's a lot of choices for um, you know, different soups, and the way that I look at soups, And again, please follow the recipe on uh, your screen right now. I don't like to measure very often. Uh, But what I like to use is a creamy um, butternut squash soup. So this soup is great because it adds a lot of flavor um, to the dish, but also gives people another serving of vegetables. With kids, we don't want to over season. Maybe with the adults, we can uh, season some for the kids first pull it out, serve them, and then add a little more, you know, garlic powder or onion powder or other types of things into your dish. So the next most important thing on this recipe is we're gonna add in a thickener and the faux cheese. Now, some people like their sauce really thick, so you just add in more cornstarch or more arrowroot. So that's not a big deal. How's that doing? You think, I think it's ready? I think it's done. Okay, so why don't we switch? I'll okay. take that, you do that. Okay. And um, I'm going to Strain this bad boy here, and let me turn that off. Okay. Or we're going to cause trouble again. <laughs> trouble in Lisa's kitchen. no, that's another chef. Don't that yeah, right? <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead, and get this all strained. It's a good consistency. So I'm going to check to make sure our pasta is cooked. So really, you just want to make sure, just like any pasta, it's a little bit squeezy, a little bit. Dude, good job, we're good. Looks yummy. So even though the cheese is not totally melted, it's okay, don't panic. What's important is that you're gonna love this recipe once you eat it. Um, What I enjoy most about this recipe is that it smells good, but this stuff is amazing. So if you don't mind, I'm going to serve you some up and you can maybe blow a little bit on it so you don't burn your mouth. Sorry, I'm once a mom, always Cause it's like a mom. like just like we told you. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, but I can't wait. wait. I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm going to give a shot of this too. But Oh my gosh, that is so good. This is the ultimate comfort food. So oh,
7: it's so isn't good. Isn't it good? And I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that.
6: It is really good.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. I am here with Dr. Doreen Grampuche, and she is answering your questions in real time, which I love. We had a couple of questions that have come in on our live features on Facebook. Somebody has written in and said, My 11 year old son with Down syndrome, mild autism, vocal, bilingual, mm-hmm. doesn't like when people laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cannot laugh for any reason when he is around us. He gets upset and yells, don't laugh at me. Mm-hmm. He went to the movie theater, and I asked him, how was the movie? And he responded, people were laughing at me, and I don't like it. How can we correct this behavior? Oh. Don't you just want to hug this this yeah. young man?
3: Yeah. Um, so are we, so I, I don't know, this is one of those that's a little bit hard because I don't know his functioning level. Because if he it's great that he's vocal. I, I'm wondering two things. Let me just share my thoughts. So I, I just in order to identify what is going on with him, our first assumption is that he really thinks people are laughing at him. That's possible, but it is a little unlikely because if it happens in a movie theater and he still feels like people are laughing at him, Uh, It's, I don't know, that's not the same as like somebody standing in front of him. Everybody's looking at a film and so on and so forth. So uh, let's assume that he thinks people are laughing at him. I guess the solution is for you to uh, have two scenarios where you find something that he finds humorous and you actually get him to laugh and then talk to him a lot about what he is laughing at and then ask him if it would be okay for you to laugh at that same thing, and help him identify, differentiate between lots of people laughing together at some other thing versus somebody laughing at him. And the only way to do that is to actually get him to laugh, for him to understand humor, and that's a little bit of depth in in working on that subject. The other thing, I think honestly we have a lesson about laughing with versus at in skills there yeah there's something in skills of environment because this is an issue we've dealt with before but the other question I have is are we sure that he actually um he is truly thinks like is he expressing himself accurately because the other al- alternative could be the sound of laughter makes him anxious, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know exactly how to express that. Mm -hmm. So he says, I don't like it because people are laughing at me. Not that he necessarily thinks they're laughing at him, but he says, I don't like the sound of, it's instead of saying, what he really means is, I don't like the sound of laughter, it scares me. So please kind of investigate that possibility as well, because sometimes we do have our children expressing something and it's not really what they intend
1: yeah i you know it's so frustrating sometimes because we work so hard to get our kids to communicate and to communicate with us and we feel like we've reached the promised land when they can you know i remember always saying i wanted to know what was going on in jem's head and then he got to the point where he could communicate with me but i always had to put it through the filter of is that what he really means because he would say he was hot when he was cold Okay. So you know there what I mean. You go, there and, you go. And I had to start to learn that 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 was just what he learned to say, but that really wasn't what he was feeling. What he was feeling That's was exactly cool. right. And I'll tell you what I wish we had. Um, I wish that we had enough time, because from time to time parents will write something like this in, and I think, wouldn't it be great to have a department that could just make videos for these scenarios? Totally. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be a wonderful thing? Because I remember that there was a problem that my son was having where he kept crashing into people in the classroom. He just... I remember this. Right? Yeah. And, and it was it. so frustrating, and eventually one of the things that the team asked us to do was to videotape him doing it, but he would not watch himself on videotape. He was, like some kids, like, like that's all they want to watch it's, is to the, set themselves on video. He hated it. Right. He couldn't stand it. But one day, we were watching that show that was done on HBO, and I think the name of it was like Peter Goes to Kindergarten, and it was about a boy with Down syndrome who, for an entire year, they documented him going to kindergarten. And at one point, Peter was crashing into the other kids, and and they would show, they would cut to the kids talking, the neurotypical kids talking about how they felt about it, and they would say, well, I really like Peter but I don't like it when he crashes into me. It makes me feel angry and sad, and then I don't want to play with Peter, yeah, right? Yeah, And we were watching it, and Jem came in the room with his therapist. They were finishing up, and he was like, what is this? Right. And I said, this is about a boy, Peter. And he watched him, and he... That was it. He right. didn't crash into his friends right. anymore. Right. So I wish that we had a way of all these scenarios. Like, I would love to have this little boy sit down and watch a boy who thinks that they're laughing yeah. Um. and that we see them talk through it. I don't know if it would help in this circumstance, but I'm always wanting that. No,
3: it absolutely could help. And and here's there's so many things. Like, this mm-hmm. is one of those situations where you really need to identify the function. Like, yeah. I'll give you a third scenario as well. Yeah. or four, You know, like, there's so many different options as well like it is also possible that it, he this child has said people are laughing at me and has received a large amount of attention uh, yes. and therefore he's just saying that because he really wants the attention so from you <laughs> so basically you need this is the kind of situation where you need uh, to do what's called a functional behavior assessment and figure out and this is what a BCBA does a board certified behavior analyst It's a process until we find out exactly what is going on with him. Is he, like, intending to say something else? Is he actually just saying this because he likes the soothing and calming that comes afterwards? Or is he really expressing that he's very distraught uh, by others uh, laughing at him because he's misunderstanding that they're laughing at something else? Each of those scenarios has a different solution.
1: Okay. Now, we had a question that came in on YouTube uh, that they want to know, is there a way to address night waking through ABA? My son is six Mm -hmm. and started walking around the house Mm -hmm. saying he needs to go to the bathroom when Grandma stayed with us for two weeks.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the stuff about night, yes, of course there is, but you're going to have to find a team of therapists who are willing to spend the night at your house. And we've done this. I mean, when I was a lot younger and we used to, I used to do therapy, we would actually go and stay at the house and do all sorts of interventions at night. So the issue with stuff that happens during the night is that generally speaking, it's, it's very hard because, first of all, everyone else is sleepy. So we sort of don't want to deal with this. You know, I was talking earlier, Shannon, saying that we, all of our behaviors have to do with gaining access to or avoiding. Let me tell you, that's the truth for us as well, right? I mean, we do, we'll do. we do anything so we can gain access to our bed again. Let me tell Absolutely. you, we'll do anything. Like, we'll allow our kids to come in the bed with us. We'll give them food. We'll do anything just because we really want to get back in bed, right? We're tired. Uh, so that's part of the problem. The second part of the problem is that, uh, our bodies have a particular system of like getting into a habit when you do it at night. It's very interesting. Uh, it's a, for example, if you eat in the middle of the night, like as babies would get up and we'd give them milk, yeah. it, it immediately, very, very quickly, within maybe two days or three days, becomes a learned behavior. Your body will wake up just in order to eat. It's uh-huh. very interesting. Like, let's say the first time you're hungry and someone feeds you on the second time and the third time, it'll become a habit. Now you have to break the habit. So something happened during that two-week period the grandma was there. Maybe he was looking for you. Maybe it was something that caused him to get out of bed and start walking around the hallways, and now that has become a habit. So, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to shape it back, essentially. You will need to uh, stay in his room or outside his room, but not allow him to leave his room and walk the hallways. Um, Of course these days the technology that we have is so good You can actually put something in the room where you can communicate with him and tell him to go back to bed I don't know his functioning level, so it's very hard for me to advise you on how you can comfort him, but the key is to um, Comfort him, but not allow him to start roaming the hallways. It's breaking a habit It's the exact same thing we do when our children are infants and Unfortunately, you have to go through that again.
1: Yeah, very very and then of course
3: reinforce him a lot for staying in his room and staying in bed.
1: Yeah, and it works. It does and right work back, we
3: can, we can guide you through it if you start trying it and you hit obstacles, we can try to guide you through that too. There we go. All
1: right, we're going to take another break, and then we are going to be back with more Ask Dr. Doreen after these mes- messages. Stick with us.
8: to start
0: Autism Works Now as a small business because 90 percent of individuals
8: with autism and related disabilities are not employed after graduating from high school. Our mission at Autism Works Now is to create job opportunities
0: for spectrum youth and kids through awareness and education.
4: provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children to avoid falling off the services cliff. Introducing Skills Living the web-based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With skills living, help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self-control, planning, and problem solving, effective communication, performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills Living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live. And we've got one more question here, so I'm going to switch which one I was going to do. Um, uh, A parent wrote in and said, I have an autistic twin and a normal twin. Mm -hmm. They haven't been in the same school since pre-K until they started middle school. My normal twin was severely bullied for being, and she says in quotation marks, "the, um, the fat screaming R words brother. My normal twin has also made friends with, quote, unquote, the ugly fat girl, Um, and he has spent the last (sighs) two years being abused at school because of his autistic brother and his friendship with this girl. My uh, normal twin chose to stay at that school for eighth grade to protect his brother. My, goodness. My uh, normal twin's friends will all attend one high school. His autistic brother will have to attend the other high school. He told me that he would go to the high school with his brother to make it easier for, uh, for you and dad and not have his brother have to ride the bus that scares him. It is what it is. And she says that she could use some outside thought on this. Because it's hard. When I, I can only imagine when you have two kids and you want to make sure you do right by both of them. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, like, you know, what, what's your take on that?
3: I mean, there's just so many sides to this, you know. And let's try to take the positive, uplifting side, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to, uh, to begin with, my first emotion is I feel bad for the twin the typically developing twin who uh, has to maybe give up on something that he wants. But at the same time, I want to say that, that that this young uh, boy, right, is yeah. going to become quite an incredible human being, is yeah, already, already quite an incredible yeah. human being, and is going to be one of those people that does a lot in the world. So, you know, he's, he's showing str- incredible empathy and caring and um, Not just towards his brother, but towards you guys as a family and uh, What an amazing thing so you know if you end up um, Not having another choice, and he has to go to the school with his twin then great like uh, uh, make make it a beautiful experience right there's it is a wonderful thing that that this a uh, young uh, man is planning to do and and he, he sounds like someone who's a hero. Yeah. Absolutely so celebrates that. I think it's a fantastic thing.
1: I also want to say too. I'm sure that the friends are good, but if he has been being bullied all this time, where were the friends, and why weren't they? Why didn't they have his back? Maybe it's better that he go and get a new group of friends. Yeah, because you know, and maybe you know, maybe they were that. Maybe they did have his back, but maybe if we just take one second and talk about, because I hate it when kids are bullied. I just, just hate it. And and the one thing that I've been looking at over the last couple of years is the bit of uh, research that came out of Santa Barbara that said, here's the one thing that we have found effective across all circumstances that puts bullying in its place, and that is finding a place where the kid has other people like them. And that when they are with like people, they become a tribe, they are stronger, and they are harder to cull from the, you know, just like the wildebeest, you know, if they're in the herd, then the bullies don't seek them out.
3: That's absolutely true, and also uh, things have gotten a lot better. You know, my kids have told me a lot about what goes on in school, and I think uh, kids, teenagers, start to show a lot of empathy with more knowledge. Uh, More and more lives are affected by autism, so there's always a few kids who have a sibling on the spectrum, right? It's not like years ago where no one even knew what autism is. So I think one of the things you can do... Is uh, to actually provide more information to the to the other children in these schools, and it's uh, let's like I said, let's look at all the positives we can do out of this scenario. Um, And I've always said that it would be amazing for our families, for our parents, if they go to the schools where their children are and start educating the other children. Um, You know, there's it's not people bully and make fun when they have fear. Um, when they don't know what it is. I don't think any, I mean, unless you're a psychopath, most people don't really enjoy bullying someone. They do it out of fear because they don't know what this other person is all about and all of that. So I think more information to the the other students, teaching them about autism, making them realize that, you know, the individual with autism is, is doing the best he can with all the resources he has. And and I I like to also be able to tell other kids about some of the skills that our kids with autism have because they are not aware of the incredible skills they have either. So absolutely
1: and I'm going to cut you off because we got to let you go but I will say very quickly there are two people that are on the speaker tour uh, that are on the autism spectrum that talk specifically about bullying Jesse Saperstein yes. and Carrie Magro they're both incredible maybe that you can get them to come to your school we have to say goodbye to you yes, in a I'm big sorry, hurry I'm to get you early. out um, but we have incredible videos for you guys to watch but before you go I just want to say Merry Christmas Happy New Year and thank, thank you, you for all the things that you do
3: thank you very much Shannon and the same to you and to all of our viewers it's it's uh, always wonderful to spend an hour with you guys, and I hope that we've our show has been able to help you throughout the years, and we look forward to many more shows with you. Have a peaceful, wonderful holiday season, and we'll do a lot of good stuff together in 2019. Absolutely. So we're going to go now to one of the fabulous
1: things we did in 2018. This is our video about Sensitive Santa that we had just a week ago. Take a look. It was really heartwarming. got to do the U-turn around the, the thing? Okay. So, Kelby, do I want the north entry or the south, or does it matter? Okay. Are we doing curbside bag check? Which way, Kelby? Left? Yeah, Kelby, back can back. I go through the T? Okay. Yeah, yeah I have a toll tag. Thank yeah, you, a you a go time. through the T. Okay. What do you do that, like, you could just have spend two hours doing and have it suck all your time. Oh, I like to look
2: up research, interesting research articles on animal behavior. <clears throat> Found a really interesting, really interesting uh, European papers on how wolves are different than dogs that I read last uh, week. That were very, very interesting.
1: Very cool. Because
2: I've always talked about a brain can be more social, emotional, or a brain can be more cognitive. Yeah. and the wolf turns out to be more cognitive and we've bred the dog to be more social emotional how fascinating is that very very interesting the wolves were very good at watching another wolf solve a problem
1: we were talking a little bit about television before and I cannot believe that what you said to me what, what, what you like to watch on television Star
2: Trek I was a Star Trek fan when I was a teenager I liked the Star Trek Next Generation I was watching that when I was working on my PhD in the 80s
1: and so, what? Total
2: Star Trek fan.
1: What's your favorite series? And what's your favorite character? And what's your favorite uh, episode?
2: Oh, Mr. my favorite character. Love it.
1: And uh, what's favorite episode? This well, guy a lot is going to hate. a lot
2: of good. My favorite Star Trek movie was the one with the whales. Yes. mine yeah, I really mine liked too. that Star Trek movie.
1: And so sad that we lost Leonard Nimoy this year. Yeah. So you, I didn't know that you like to watch television. Do you like to go to the movies too? Oh yeah, so
2: I went and saw Gravity. There's certain movies oh. that have to be seen in a theater, like yeah. Gravity and Avatar. Yeah, I wanted to see Inside Out in the theater. That I really liked that movie. What did
1: you think of that? I
2: liked it. I think it. I think about how the emotions interact.
1: I gotta be honest. I had said after that that I thought that it was gonna be a great tool for for people to show kids on the autism spectrum about perspective-taking, yeah, about what it's like in other people's heads. Well, no, it's more
2: like how the emotions inside your own head sort of conflict with each other. Yeah, absolutely. So I love the Wizard of Oz, and I love the idea of the, wizard, of the Ruby Slippers. She had the way back home, she just didn't know she had it. Yeah. You see, and I think that's a metaphor for a lot of things. A lot of people have the Ruby Slippers, but they don't know they have them. They don't know they got the key, they can open up the door to a lot of really great stuff. So what would you say was your Ruby Slipper? Well, I had, when some opportunities came up, like when I designed those dip vats, um, that was a major uh, breakthrough for my business. Really? And when the head of the feed yard came up to me and asked me if I'd do it, I said, give me three weeks. You know, a lot of people would have been too scared to walk through the door. Now, this is pre-internet, and I knew it would take me three weeks to get some of the information I needed, especially on concrete reinforcement, to design the dip vats. But you did it. I did it was on the phone the next day to the USDA to get the drawings on the concrete reinforcement. Wow.
1: So I, I want to journey back to childhood for just a second and talk about friends because a lot of times people ask about friends. Who was your best friend? When I was in
2: elementary school one of my best friends was a girl named Eleanor and she was the first girl in elementary school to get to take wood shop instead of cooking and I was the second girl in our school to get to take wood shop. So we like to make stuff. It's all about making stuff. And I had good friends in high school, even though I got bullied and teased, I got friends who shared interests, riding horses together, doing electronics together, doing model rockets together, doing stuff together with other, um, with other students. So you found, like your mom says about, found, you found your tribe. Yeah, and yeah, you've got people. to get them in yeah. doing things with other people. And you did a lot of theater,
1: and you, did you sing as a kid?
2: Yeah, I did. I, one of the problems I was singing is I couldn't synchronize my rhythm with somebody else's rhythm. Do you still different. have a hard time doing that? I still have a hard time doing that. Because we were, we were going to ask you if you wanted to sing something in the car with us. Well, I think maybe
1: we'll skip that. <laughs> Real question. But the one question people always ask us is they want to know if you've ever been in love. No, never have.
2: And, and you don't feel like you're missing anything. I've seen so much turmoil in so many marriages that I haven't really seen a situation that would be a good model. And yet you gave me really good marriage advice. Because I'm a good problem solver. You have to, like, take the problem and cut it down. And in engineering, you have to find the root cause of a problem.
1: What do you think is your secret to your success
2: as a teacher? Well, presenting things really clearly. Yeah. That's really important. Making things interesting. Yeah. I think it's also important to do something in a class that, you know, a student can take home and use. I teach a class in cattle behavior and handling, and I've got a lot of students that are pre-vet that are going to go the dog and cat, probably won't be handling any cattle. But I said, you want to design this corral system because it's visual problem solving. You have to figure out how to do it. It's not a cookbook. And then I have my internet project where they can pick out anything in animal behavior, and I make them dig into a narrow subject that I have to approve because I want them digging into Google Scholar and PubMed, Science Direct and the other databases. they got to learn how to find stuff online and I'm finding about two-thirds of the students are not very good at that. How about this, Make Magazine. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that a lot of kids on the spectrum need to be doing the cool stuff in here. Really, Make
1: Magazine is going to love that you Make did
2: magazine. that. Make Magazine, that's a yeah, wonderful we'll magazine. Okay. Yes, yes and, and they're resurrecting old satellites from Mission Control and an abandoned McDonald's. <laughs> That's the that. kind of stuff I really like. These are the kind of magazines we need to get into school. Make Magazine, Business Week, Science, Nature, Wired. we got to show kids out there. There's all kinds of super interesting yeah. stuff out there. But if the they brains. don't see it, then they don't know about it. Yeah, I nice. like to geek out on construction there sites. I like to salivate over all the equipment <laughs> they've got that we didn't have, like really cool man lifts and you know nice scaffolding. We didn't have any of that stuff.
1: You didn't? No, we didn't. What did you guys have? A Holy compass?
2: Horrid <laughs> ladders that were really dangerous, <laughs> is what we had. I'm going to pull up right here. Okay.
1: We're going to get your stuff out. Stuff out there. Yep. Oh, we have to get the mic back on to you, too. Oh, you took it off me, I'm attached to mine.
8: Good morning, and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allsaw Jackson, and I'm Shannon Penrod, and glad to be here with my good friend. Glad and, to be here with you. And this is our last LTA of the year. Oh, is it?
1: It is. Okay. And because next uh, week we're off uh, between Christmas and New Year's, right? And then we'll be back in January. I don't okay. know whether it's the second week or the third week we're okay. back, but um, so this is it. This is the capper for 2019. We've
8: got a full. Show yeah we have a lot we have three guests today yeah so we're going to get right into uh, some of the in the news stories yes uh, now that I've shuffled all of my papers I don't have anything in front all. of me so um, well, a
1: big topic this week there there was a, a, an article that was done um, suggesting that maybe the research that we're doing in autism in the
8: field of autism isn't hitting the place that it needs to right, hit right right um, and helping families deal with the disorder should make, be made a focus as opposed to a lot of the other type of research that's being done. Absolutely, and you know, while I think that
1: there are some really good arguments in here, um, this is uh, Bryna Siegel who has written this and it got a lot mm-hmm. of airplay around. There's a lot of, uh, of, of meaningful things here. Yeah, She takes a big shot at all of the genetic testing that's being right, done about right. autism though and says, this isn't helping anybody. And, and I, you know, there's a little part of me that's like, yeah, but if we said that about the so many years that they did testing on so many other things. Other things that we wouldn't, yielded
8: results. Yes, yes. That, it,
1: that kind of thing takes time, and I mm-hmm. just want to point that out. But she has some really good points about the fact that, you know, more research needs to be done about what actually helps individuals who are on the autism spectrum, right. what actually creates the progress. I must say, though, you know, I, you know, I love a chance to toot cards to horn anytime. A lot of the different things that she addresses in her list of things that she would like Card is actually doing research on those things. And oh, okay. the Autism Research Group has spent a lot of time doing research on exactly the things that, that she she's recommends? talking about. I, I don't know if she's privy to some of the mm-hmm. things that Autism Research Group has um, published. And, of course, there are studies that are being done that aren't published that she wouldn't know about. Mm-hmm. But I was sort of, um, I don't you know, like I felt a little tingly in a good way mm-hmm. to realize that the things that she was saying... Um, the, that at least ARG is already doing, and maybe other people are too, and we don't know. right. So uh, right. things like knowing when should we switch from going to core academics to life skills? Mm-hmm. Like at what point does that happen and, and and what abilities do we section and say they should be because right now, who knows, right? Right, right? at looking at you know, what order do we teach lessons in, are they really purposeful, mm-hmm. do they really have an impact, which educational behavior and milieu te- techniques work best, and which of the symptoms they best address at which ages, right. which is exactly what CARD has been working on in terms of phenotyping autism. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our viewers know, but CARD has been able to segment out, because of the number of kids that they treat, and identify seven distinct types of autism, mm. and and to see that the learning um, path for those seven right. different te- are, are very different, Right, vastly right. different.
8: Right. So anyway, I, I thought that was a little interesting. Right. She apparently has a book called "The Politics of Autism," which sounds like an interesting read, doesn't but, it? Yeah. Um, we
1: actually have had a, a sim, uh, author of a similar book on the show, mm-hmm. um, t- but looking at. Uh, autism and politics in a in a very mm-hmm. uh, mainstream way. Uh, very interesting interview. Then uh, we have a
8: story about um, a trike that's missing yeah. for a young boy with autism, but this trike was designed so he could use it into adulthood, and it's a very, you know, it's a big trike, and I can't imagine why someone would steal this. It was taken from their apartment in uh, Linwood, Washington.
1: Um, And they've put out a call to say to people, if anybody has seen this bike, I'm sure that somebody looked at it and thought it was cool and didn't realize uh, in their desire to possess it, what they were doing um, to another individual on the planet. So the Linwood Sheriff's Office, the phone number for them is 425-407-3999, or 425-388-3845. They're asking for any information that will help lead to the return of this trike. And I don't know, um, but I thought let's put it out there and maybe somebody will see it. Uh, It was stolen from Keeler's Corner apartment complex in Linwood, there we go. Linwood, Washington. Yes.
8: Um, And then we wanna end on a feel good story. A heartwarming story, story, yes. About a little six year old Texas boy who loved everything about Santa, but he happens to be blind Mm -hmm. and have autism. Yes. And his mom took him to see Santa, and the Santa was particularly wonderful and sensitive. He showed him the eyes that twinkle. He had him touch him. Yeah. Um, all over his, you know, characteristic parts that the little boy wanted to see or yeah, he said experience. Yeah, you know,
1: he let him touch his hat, let him touch his face, and he asked the little boy, what would you like, you know. He said, I want to touch your twinkling eyes. Yeah. that's sweet? So sweet. And... Um, I just, you know, we every year we do our sensitive Santa at Autism Live, right? And um, of course, I think those of you who watch the show, if there are little ones in the room, distract them for a moment. My husband is the the Santa at Sensitive Santa, and my husband is a professional Santa mm-hmm. uh, person. And, um, you know, I said to him last Saturday when we were in the middle of the event, and I I said this last week, that at a certain point I just said to him, I have never loved you more than I do right now. Because there is something about uh, a man who's willing to put on a suit and be there for children and be patient. Like, we've all met Santas that were just, you know, (laughs) the Santa who was doing it because he was getting paid, whatever, and done... but you know as i watched these kids come in and and my husband has been trained that he sits very still and lets right. the children come to him mm-hmm. and and you know he he puts his hands in this very passive way and the children come right up and put their hands in his hands and and he's very quiet and listens to mm-hmm. them and just the look on their faces and the look on his face as he's so into talking to them it's magical it's abs- i'm sorry the suit is magical and um, and and I love it when we see these stories of good Santas that are there for our kids on the autism spectrum. He you also know, got to feel a reindeer. They had a taxidermy oh. reindeer set
8: up. As yes. he went over to yes, feel
1: he it. said he wanted to touch a reindeer, and he was like, and Santa was like, we just happen to have a taxidermied <laughs> reindeer. That part is not my favorite part. I have to say, well, I'm not about the taxidermy. But anyway, we have got three amazing guests, and we're starting with Lee Hirschfeld, who is from the Autism Research Group. Okay. Well, I was just talking about mm-hmm. them. You know, we have a new segment here on the show where we're welcoming um, experts from Autism Research Group to sort of, you know, uh, I I don't want to say dumb the science down for us, but to explain Explain to us because science is sometimes
8: confusing. Yes, yeah.
1: To explain it to us so that we can understand it. So we're going to take a quick break and get Lee with us, and then um, we're going to hear about some research that uh, that we want to know and have it explained to us. Okay, great.
9: For the month of September, I'd figured I'd show you guys how to make a task completion chart to help your kids get through the hardest parts of the day. Parents have been writing in to our host, Shannon Penrod. the hardest parts of the day are waking up in the morning, after school, and getting ready for bed. Please keep in mind, you can always modify the task completion chart to focus on the skills that your family needs most. The template we'll be using today to make the task completion chart you can find at facebook.com slash autismlive. All right, let's get to it. The materials you'll be needing are the template, cardstock, scissors, hole puncher, glue, pipe cleaner, velcro, and photos or images. We find it more reinforcing for kids if you use images of themselves doing the tasks that you're trying to get them to complete. So what I have here to start off are photos of myself doing all the tasks that we're going to add to our task completion chart today. The first step you're going to be doing is printing the template from facebook.com slash autism I have it here and the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to trim at the top. We don't need that, that's just totally excess. Now that I trim my three templates, I'm going to label each one with a different part of the day that we're focusing on such as waking up, after school, and getting ready for bed. Now that I've finished labeling the templates with the appropriate time of the day, I'm going to attach the photos that go with it. For bedtime, the tasks I chose were getting ready for school, putting away toys, putting on pajamas, and brushing teeth. Now repeat this for all the rest of the day. Now that I've added the photos to the template, I am taking this along with my heavy cardstock to hold all my tokens. I'm going to line them up and make three hole punches. I'm going to take this pipe cleaner and attach the pages together with it. We're almost done putting this together. Next, I'm going to take my Velcro. I'm going to put them underneath each picture and then I'm gonna add four on the very edge too. Now that I've attached the rough side of the Velcro to the template, now I'm gonna take the softer side and add these to the tokens. You can use whatever you want for the tokens, whatever your child finds reinforcing. They could be stickers, images, spacemen, Pokemon, whatever they like. Before you use your task completion chart, it's really important that you do a preference assessment to see what your child finds reinforcing that day. Once you have that established, then you can tell them the rule for how this task completion chart works. So every time they get one of their tasks completed, they add a token to it. And the way the task completion chart functions is like a token economy. So after they put a token under each one of these tasks, they can trade it in for their reinforcer for the day. Now that you've made your task completion chart, hopefully your child will be able to use it on a daily basis and help them through those difficult times of the day. Well, until next time, craft on. Bye, guys. Can you see me flying
1: by your side? Parent to parent, you might be asking yourself, how on earth can I afford ABA therapy for my child? Well, the short answer is you can't, no one can. It's really expensive and it's overwhelming to most families, but the story doesn't end there, fortunately. The first thing that I want you to think about is tapping insurance resources. So many insurance companies are paying for ABA therapy right now, so that's your first best bet, make sure and see if your insurance company is providing benefits for ABA therapy and check back often. Now if you see that you don't have insurance right now for ABA, don't panic, there are still other resources. The next place to go is to your local support groups and ask them what local resources there are. That's a great place to ask for information because often states and even counties have support for ABA. And then beyond that, you might consider applying for grants. There are many fabulous grants out there to help you to get support for your ABA therapy. But most important, it's, it's absolutely essential that you get ABA services for your child. We know that that's essential for all of our children and that you won't be able to do it on your own. So seek out those services and support groups that will help you to fund your ABA journey. It's really important to remember that all behaviors happen for a reason. Welcome back. Uh, so thrilled that right now joining us on Skype and via the phone we have Leah Hirschfeld Mm -hmm. and she is a behavioral therapist in our Richmond office. Uh, She is a part of the autism research group. She's Mm -hmm. worked in the research team part-time also doing therapy with a number of clients and we are just thrilled with this new segment that we've started on the show where we have experts in research, taking apart research for us and explaining it to Decoding us. Decoding so, it to us, Exactly. <laughs> so that we can understand it. So, Leah, welcome to Autism Live.
0: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be talking today. Ooh, that's me.
1: You uh, are. Is you. Uh, isn't it oh, exciting?
0: Some of the research that's being conducted with individuals diagnosed with autism.
1: Well, talk to us. You had picked something you wanted to talk specifically about. Tell us all about it.
0: Great. So kind of to jump in, the article that I chose is one that every few months the research team puts together summaries of a few recent and exciting articles. So this is one of those articles. The summary will be going out to CARD supervisors, I think, in January from our team. Um, So this is also something Karen did for y'all, I think, last month in the same role, and she's a Project manager on the research team, and I'm a research assistant.
8: That's awesome. Thanks.
0: So, we're pretty we're pretty stoked about it.
8: Um, so, so tell us all about it.
0: So the article I'd like to talk about is by Greg Strummer and his team. They examine different forms of attention and how it functions as a reinforcer for problem and alternative behaviors.
1: Which already so, you've Strummer. lost me. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go into it more. No worries. Okay. Um, so Stromer and his colleagues developed what they called a rapid assessment of attention types. Um, and they implemented it with their participant who's 13 years old and was diagnosed with ADHD and ASD. So they were, it's pretty much a functional analysis. They're trying to figure out what's going on with why this child is presenting the behaviors that they are, and if different types of attention are, are encouraging that, that type of um, behavior and that reinforcement for them. So for this assessment, they divided the room into three sections, two included an attention type, and one was no interaction, it was a control area. So the attention types were randomized and included two negative attention types and two positive attention types. So the negative attention were SCs like don't do that and answering preservations, Perservations are questions that were asked and answered previously. So if the participant repeatedly said, is it four o'clock yet? Is it four o'clock yet? Is it four o'clock yet? The therapist would respond every single time, it's not 4 o'clock yet, it's not 4 o'clock yet, it's not 4 o'clock yet, and just kind of repeat the exact kind of thing that the child was saying to them. The positive attention that they chose were praise statements, so something like good job and positive physical contact, such as a pat on the back. So they did this assessment three times and they had each attention type compared to the other attention type along with that no interaction area to see what was the most reinforcing for this child. After that, the authors conducted a treatment session that included functional communication training and planned ignoring. So the FCT, that functional communication training, they were training the child to use a vocal verbal cue and then also give the therapist a picture card in exchange for the attention types that that child wanted. So based on the results of that rapid assessment I explained before, where they had that two different attention types and that control, um, the two attention types that co-occurred with the fewest behaviors was this negative SD, the don't do that, and the positive praise, the good job. So what this looked like is that the authors would include those options in the treatment plan. So if the child picked up the don't do that card and then touched the wall, I have one behind me, perfect. Um, Um, Then the therapist would say, don't do that. Don't touch the wall. You can't touch the wall like that. And if the child presented the good job FCR and started interacting with a game, the therapist would then say positive attention, like, good job playing that game. You're so great at that game. So the participant ended up actually consistently choosing that negative SD, the don't do that for their functional communication training over and over and over again. So the authors implemented schedule thinning halfway through the study so that negative SD that don't do that was no longer available to the participant, and the participant only had the positive good job praise as an option for reinforcement. The authors actually had to implement a time out from intention procedure because the behavior rates rose so much after implementing that thinning schedule. So the child was increasing his behaviors because he didn't have the type of reinforcement he actually really wanted. Why do we care? Like, Why is that important other than like, that's kind of neat. So I'll start by saying, like I was introduced, I used to be a therapist. um, And I always use positive reinforcement and saying, great job, and the positive physical touches of high fives and things like that with my clients. Um, However, praise as a form of attention may not always be functionally equivalent to the form of attention maintaining the problem behavior. So it wasn't really praise that was doing it for this kid. Assessment of attention types may be needed to identify forms of attention, that most likely reinforce alternative behaviors. There were some limitations to the study. Anytime you see research, you should always kind of put that critical hat on and be like, can I always trust this? This was a really good study. But the biggest limitation was it was only one kid. So we can't necessarily say this is true about all kids. This is true about all kids with autism. Um, It was an excellent study done, but only with one participant. So it is a limitation um anyway that's it on my end thank you so much for having me it's really exciting to get to talk about the research we read um and you guys should see a summary coming out i think in january Very cool. um that should have this article on it along with a few others um and please reach out to me or the rest of the um the team with any questions any thoughts you guys have any comments about anything that
1: um, is thank you so much can much we ask questions mm, can sure. i ask you a question so mm-hmm. I want to I want to make sure that I got it because it sounds right. I'm not sure that the study was about this but it sounds because we know we've had kids that will perseverate right. on things and it's really hard to break that up but it sounds like to me that the that the negative attention was what was maintaining the perseveration is that right?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Okay, yeah. so it was that negative attention and then they had to really work pretty hard to get. The positive attention to be something the child wanted.
1: I see. And so, you know, as you said, this isn't going to apply to all children, Mm -hmm. but my takeaway for that is that when we as parents say things like, don't do that, we're just making the problem worse.
8: The negative attention is Mm
1: -hmm. enforcing. And instead, we have to work twice as hard to get them to want the praise for doing something else. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's spot on. And like you said, so there's a caveat. This was one kid, but that's exactly spot on. Yeah, okay,
1: one. that's well, that's good to know because right. we all do that. Yeah. We all say, "Don't do
8: that! Don't do Wyatt that!" Wyatt has started that. recently in mimicking a friend who is hand hand-flapping. Uh, great. And I've had heard people say to him, "Don't do that," and I, I've said, "Don't do that." Yeah, don't that's not helpful. Tell him not to do that. No, it's not helpful at all.
1: All right. Well, this is very useful. Yes. Thank you, Leah. We're so glad to have you, and and thank everybody on the team. We're excited about this new segment, really.
0: Thank you guys so much for having us. We love it. All right. You, win,
1: take care. Happy New Year. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, okay, that was. I'm glad because in the middle there, I was like, Am I getting this? Right. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Not, I think we then, got it though. And then it was like, we we brought
8: it, it home. It always makes me excited. Okay, okay. we the, have got a great guest. Yes, we're going to take a break because we're going to come back with uh, Brian Harrit, who is known as the autism cop. Um, and Brian has been training those uh, first responders and others to deal with individuals on the autism spectrum. He has so, a son with autism, so we're gonna to talk to him. we I'm gonna take a break and we're gonna figure out how to
1: clone him okay. during the break. Yeah. And then we'll come back with him live in the studio. So stick with us. Okay. You say hi we say
4: hi.
6: Hi, welcome back to Autism Live, I'm Lisa Ackerman. I've got Kristen Selby-Gonzalez here with me today and the feedback overwhelmingly, oh, chicken nuggets! Probably one of the easiest recipes on the planet.
5: We know all of our kids love
6: chicken nuggets. (laughs) Let's talk about corn. GMOs, uh, genetically modified foods, are no bueno for a lot of folks and we agree. So um, I've actually called the manufacturers to make sure these are GMO-free product. Really simply, what I did with the, um, the corn flakes is just the old-fashioned crush away. Um, that's just the easiest way. Maybe you can crush that a little well, bit that's for me. our kids can help us with. Yeah. Too. We're doing cooking with them. Well, And fine motor improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Boom. sensory issues. <laughs> Boom. A lot of people will over-season. Uh, they season for adults. So from the standpoint of just putting it in enough flavor, now that we got our... Uh, Base our coating, and I'm going to work on how we coat the chicken. Now, Kristen, was Jack's ever allergic to eggs? He has been. There's a lot of options with eggs. Don't you know that you can also look at duck eggs? Really? Quail eggs, and other types of eggs that, even though they look the same in the bowl, they're different on the allergy panel. Let's say you find out you're allergic to every egg on the planet. You can use a little bit of water and arrowroot starch. I've got a, a high-grade stainless steel, non-teflon frying pan. I'm using high-heat oil, getting all ready to go. So we're just really easily going in and coating the chicken.
9: Now, when I'm flipping these, Lisa, um, do I flip over and over, or do I just cook one side and then the other?
6: You know, I prefer the cook one side, because what happens is the good coating that you spend all this time crushing oh. for me falls off. Gotcha. Bonus. About how long do you cook on each side? About four minutes on each side will do it. And I think you're almost there. Yeah, you're good. You're golden. Fantastic. So if you want to take them out. Now that we got the last batch in, let me take you through what these finished babies look like. Like I said, you're going to have some happy families um, out there wanting to eat this. This is so easy. You saw how quickly we got in and done. Just want to remind everyone we really want feedback at Autism Live and want to know what you want to see next. So if you've got an idea, a recipe you want us to convert um, or to talk about a particular topic, we'd love to hear from you. You could do that at AutismLive at gmail.com or Facebook Land. We're all on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Autism Live, and then again, there's already thousands of recipes waiting for your eyeballs to go cruise over on the TACA website. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on Autism Live. Thanks for joining us. Inclusion is everything. Feeling like we have a place where we belong, and when I say we, I'm first and foremost a mother, a mother of a child on the spectrum and not, and gym owner and now founder of carrying this to families who need it as well.
4: My son is extremely hyperactive. Getting him to calm down is a very difficult task. So the idea of Rock the Spectrum Dream, where he could just go and run and play and do all these fun things without any kind of worries and just go, go, go and bring down that energy. It just helps us so much at home. You know, in the home or at school, it's not acceptable, but this is the one place it is acceptable for the child to kind of be themselves and get it all out there and just really just be themselves.
6: It's an amazing place where my son could go and be himself. Um, you get to meet other parents who are in the same journey as you are.
1: I think the most popular aspect
4: of it is how they include all children of all types. Not just all, only learning disabled, lower functioning, moderate functioning, high functioning and
1: non, non-disabled.
3: people there are so friendly everybody's like family they always greet you with a smile there's not one negative thing I could say about any of the employees they're all absolutely amazing
1: I think every parent should walk in through those doors and see what an amazing gym it is.
6: Now a diagnosis being one out of six kids are in some way or form affected with sensory processing disorder or autism that's why we rock now is on the rise people want to be a part of it people know that they have a community there, they know that they can learn more information about things that they don't know themselves or that they can share, build friendships, and uh, basically get what you get in an OT facility, but it's not $150 an hour,
2: it's 12
5: I'm Candace Cameron Bray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live.
2: You're watching Autism Live.
8: And we're back, and as promised, we have our special guest, Brian Herrett. And Brian, uh, we want to hear a little bit about your background. You're a retired police officer from the San Diego area, but... You've been very busy. Tell us about <laughs> what you've been doing. You're not exactly
7: retired. No, ma'am. Um, I actually retired about seven years ago. Um, since that time, I've, I have worked for a while for the county of San Bernardino. Um, I worked for Legoland, California, and most recently I'm uh, the manager of public safety at the Saboba Indian Reservation, so okay. that's my full-time day job.
8: Okay, but you have, a, in addition to that, um, sort of a passion you have a son with autism. Tell us a little bit about him. Um,
7: well. We call him Little Brian, although he's probably bigger than me now. Okay. Um, he is 16 years old. Um, he's really kind of our whole family's our inspiration, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, started my uh, journey with autism. He was a little under two years old when he was diagnosed um, with, at that time, what they told us was severe, low-functioning autism. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me about a year and a half to realize that there was a real need for training with law enforcement because my cop buddies and i didn't understand and i knew Mm -hmm. when he was diagnosed i didn't know anything about autism i didn't know what autism was Um,
1: and so this is a passion of yours now trying to help other police uh, and first responders to understand what this is and how they need to conduct themselves in the face of dealing with someone on the spectrum
7: absolutely I, i think cops you know, all of us want to help people as law enforcement officers. The sad part is that there is no training for us in what is autism and how to deal with it. Um, and then when when officers are responding to residences or running into people on the street with autism, um, there is no reference material or, or how to do that. And so many families like mine, we struggle, you know, we still have our struggles, yes. um, you know, and with Brian being six foot tall and 230 pounds and my wife being much smaller than that, Um, you know he can get get you know aggressive and and we looked at what what's gonna happen when law enforcement comes to my front door and and what do we do and that started with a passion project for me to train we looked at every person that we thought Brian would run into and could I help train them about Brian, and that's kind of over the last nine years that I've been doing this turned into I think every person with autism is my kid. Yeah. Um, so I'm training the whole country or doing what I can to train as many cops and first responders as I can.
8: What do you see as some of the biggest issues? Besides, obviously, aggression can be a big issue, but what are some of the other issues?
7: Uh, ag- aggression is, is a huge one. Um, what it really comes down to is is for cops is what are what are their options. I mean, it's one thing for the, for the younger age children, it's the elopement an issue, it's mm-hmm. them getting away, but when you get into, um, you know, when, when they 16, 17 or even adulthood, it's what do law enforcement do with, with somebody with autism when they're having a meltdown or mm-hmm. when they're in a crisis situation because, you know, th- there really isn't a, a magical place to take people to calm them down and bring them back. And and it's really just a lack of, of knowledge of what autism is and what resources are available and what can they do in the field to kind of handle a situation. Um, because there are no resources.
1: Absolutely. And there's two sides to this coin. On the one hand, there's you know informing the police and first responders about how to behave. But then there's the other side, that as part of the autism community, we have a responsibility too. What do you see that you wish the autism community knew about dealing with first responders? It, it's,
7: it's funny that you say that, because when I go out and I teach uh, an agency, what I usually do is I, I hold a free night with that agency, whatever state it is, whatever city, um, and we invite the local autism community to bring their loved ones and them out, and I have them kind of intermingle with law enforcement. My wife came up with this quote that I think is brilliant, which is, we call it, we bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. We're bridging the gap between law enforcement and autism, and a big part of that is the families. Um, and when I talk to families and I do that family presentation, it's it's teaching them, one, I want them to understand what a, what a police officer, when they first get to their house, what their perception is and mm-hmm. how they're seeking control, which, mm-hmm for a lot of families, and even my own, there's some times where we don't have control. Right. So when you have a law enforcement officer step in your home and he's trying to get something that you as a parent can't even um, attain, it's a very stressful situation even for the officer. So I yeah. try to give them some insight into the officers. And I also try to let them know that officers don't have any training. And it's it's really hard for cops because we really can't show up at things and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You, you have to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. have to know what you're doing. And if you don't, you have to fake it. Right. Um, so what I really want parents to understand is. You know, if, if they approach it the right way, and I give them some tips on on how to talk to cops, um, the cops will will gladly accept that information. It's just how it's 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 brought to them. Well, tell us a tip. What can um, we do? There, there are several. I, I think the first thing is is disclosure. I think is the most important thing for a family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is is how do you get that disclosure? If if they're there, it's it's even yelling. Hey, he has autism. He has mm-hmm. autism. He has autism. Um, if it's, it's carrying um, some sort of ID card that says, hey, I have autism, these are tips. Um, a registries, um, in San Diego County, we have the Take Me Home program, which was, we borrowed the name from a gentleman named Jimmy Donahoe in Florida, but that Take Me Home program provides all that information to law enforcement before they even get to a residence. Okay. Um, that disclosure, you know, I, I tell parents, go to your local police station, and the people listening, do that tomorrow. If, mm-hmm. if yeah. their local law enforcement don't know, wherever they're at, go to the police station with your loved one with autism, ask to talk to a mm-hmm. sergeant, when they come up, say, hey, this is my loved one. We live in your city. I want you to know this is where mm-hmm. we lived. This is my loved one. He doesn't like loud sounds. He doesn't like bright lights. Mm-hmm. If you see him, he sometimes takes his clothes off. Whatever those situations right. are, let law enforcement know before it becomes a problem. Um, same thing with your local firefighters. Go knock on the firefighter's door. Tell the firefighter. Same thing. Yeah. Um, because you want them to have that information before they get there so they know they're not dealing with somebody who's on drugs or somebody mm-hmm, who's... Right? you know, got something else going on and they understand what they're dealing with.
1: I gotta say, we did that when Jem when was little. Did you, our team, our went AB, we went to the police station, department um, yeah. and we went to the fire department. We took a field trip mm-hmm. right. and went and we called ahead and they they all said, you know, come, but know that if something's happening, we'll ask you to come back another time. Right. Right. And we toured, he got to he got to put on the jacket and uh-huh. sit in the fire truck. He was thrilled and was never afraid of a fireman mm-hmm. after that. The the police, it was a little here because I made a mistake and I took him to the police department. Uh, then another time when they were doing their haunted house uh, fundraiser, mm-hmm. and he associated it with really scary stuff, right, right. and that was hard to change. But he was happy to talk to the police officers outside the police station and had no fear mm-hmm. of that. And I thought that was a really bad, but I, I didn't come up with it. Our team said, let's do this. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a really important And thing. there was
7: another, you, you brought up a, a fact that it was just a phone call I received yesterday from from a school resource officer down in my area. Um, who told me that he was involved in, a, in an incident with a child with autism who's going to school, and he had never spoken to the parents. And, and that's another thing I teach, is if you have children to go to public or, or charter school in a city, um, just about every department has school resource officers, mm-hmm. and you should know who they are. Yeah. Um, and you should take the time for you as a parent to meet the school resource officers and then have them meet your, your loved one and say, hey, this is what upsets them, this is what calms them down, this mm-hmm. is what a meltdown looks like, this mm-hmm. is how we bring them out of one. Um, these are the tips that work for us at home because it's your child's safety. Yeah. And I mean there's a life at stake in some cases. We've
1: seen this from time to Absol- time. Absolutely. So take the time. Don't wait for somebody to come and do this for you. Take the time to do it for yourself as a parent. Um, talk to us about your upcoming projects. I'm working on
7: several. Um, I was contacted actually about a year ago by a really good company called Blue 360 Media. Um, and they came to me because they, what they do is they provide training publications and, and reference publications to law enforcement. Um, and they reached out to me and said, hey, we, we saw your website. We really want to reach out to the special needs community and, and come up with some in-print stuff for law enforcement for the special needs community. Um, and I've had a really good relationship with them. I'm actually um, in the process of writing a reference manual for law enforcement and first responders. And
8: where will that um, be distributed?
7: It'll be on their website. We're still at the point now where, where my editors, I love my editors to death, mm-hmm. but they're, they're digging through it. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're trying to do that. I'm also working on doing some search and rescue uh, a search-and-rescue manual as well because mm-hmm. of the elopement issue. Right. I've done a lot of presentations for search-and-rescue and also done quite a bit for hostage negotiators. Really? because um, What it's turning into for law enforcement is when you have a 17, 18, 19, even a, an adult with, with special needs who's in a, a home and being aggressive, That's not what they. That's not the police jargon. If if they're in there alone, we call that a a barricaded subject, or a person that's violent that's in a home. So Mm -hmm. how do they communicate with them? And what they and they they're coming to me because they want to learn. Because how do you communicate with somebody who? based on their special need, is communi- it's a communication disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. So if communication is so critical, how, how do they do that? Mm-hmm. So I'm working on a, on a search and rescue thing. We're also working on some, some tips and, and tools that we can maybe give officers in the field to, to help them out. So I'm really excited to work with Blue 360. I, I think it's going to be um, a great thing that, that I know officers want to have. Okay. Very exciting. So,
8: tell us how we can reach you, or how anybody in the public can reach you if they're interested. In the
7: easiest more. way is to go to autismcop.com. That's my website um, that that's been put together. That's on there. It's got all of my. It's got my phone number on it. Um, you can go through there. I also have a Facebook page. If you go to Autism Cop, um, you can follow me on there. Um, but I'm. I have my phone number. My email address are out there. My wife. My family are are very. Supportive of what we do, mm-hmm. and they understand what we do. So, mm-hmm. I get phone calls all the time, and they know it kind of takes away from some family time. But we look at the bigger picture of, of who we're helping out, right? Okay. Um, so, okay. well, the website's the number one way.
8: Well, it's great work you're doing, we want to thank you for it.
7: Absolutely, I encourage
1: you. people if they, you know to have you come and do an event. Absolutely,
7: uh, I mean, if it's local, I, I don't charge anything for uh family events. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're local, um, law enforcement agencies is, is where I really um it, it is something i charge for but i'm sure there's a lot of people that watch your show um, that will look at it that have uncles brothers friends that are law enforcement and if they haven't been trained um it, it's really a matter of you got to have the right people train absolutely um, what a lot of people don't know is is currently in california at least um law enforcement officers there is no requirement for training on autism and of the of the special needs training they get Um, Which the last time I checked I think was four hours of total training. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one question about autism Mm. Um, So those officers leaving now when I many many moons ago back when I say cops rode on horseback when I started my career um, 19 years ago um, There was 90 minutes of training that was Mm -hmm. it on Mm -hmm. all special needs and most of Mm -hmm. that was on Blind to deaf. There wasn't anything on autism. At all. Well,
1: and it's mm-hmm. scary because we've seen time and time again that there is training for uh, first responders on dealing with a drug addict because we have a huge drug Abs- pro- problem Absolutely. In, in our country. And um, so they're given training on that, which means that they've got it uppermost in their mind when they come to a site, they're looking. And trying to identify, do I have a drug addict? Right. Which often can, if you're, you know, if you aren't aware of the other... Right. Um, ...can... You know, a person with autism can be mistaken a, right. as being a... And we've seen terrible things happen as yes. a result of that. From, you know, uh, there's the video of the kid playing with the string. Mm-hmm. And, and the law Arizona. enforcement... Yes, and the law enforcement uh, person who had just been trained in recognizing drug behavior, God bless him, because I'm sure... You know, if somebody just says to you white elephant, white elephant, white right. elephant right. and you walk in a room and you see something big and white, you're going to think white elephant. Mm-hmm. Right. And this poor kid, is playing with a string but he saw a drug addict. Right. Right. And it had terrible, you know, Tons I mean expenses. at least yeah. he survived. And in that video, yeah,
7: in that video he gets out of the car and the first thing he says to the officer or the officer system is what are you doing and he says stemming. Yes. Yes. That officer stemming. had no idea yes. what like even that stemming man. was. No, yeah. no idea. Um, and that's one of the things I teach is is, you know, the word meltdown, the, the the word stemming, the mm-hmm. word fascinations. What do fascinations mean? What are negative triggers? Mm, yeah, those types of things officers need to know. Yeah, um, a lot of those calls that you're talking about, though, um, with the public, it's what does the public perceive? Now, you know, we are our parents of children with autism, so you, like me, me and my wife go out, we can spot somebody with autism a mile right away, away, and we right. know the behaviors. Um, but our neighbors probably wouldn't. And when yeah. the neighbors call, what do they see? Now, when, when my son Brian, when he's stemming or when he's aggressive, I, I could see how somebody who didn't know him or know yeah. he has autism would say he's on drugs. Right. It's, it's understandable. And a lot of times when the public calls in, uh, I'll tell you as a cop, the most common suspicious person call we get is when the public calls us say hey there's a person in my neighborhood this is what he's looking like he's on drugs mm-hmm. right so now when the officer's are responding they're got in the back of their mind they right. hey, this guy's on drugs right right um, so a big part of what i try to teach too is is cops really kind of slowing down yeah um, you get taught really quick in law enforcement that you have to go fast you make decisions, your life and death decisions, everything yeah. is fast, fast, fast. What I try to teach them is slow everything down. Yeah. I want you to park in your car and look at that person for a while, that young man who is stemming with the string. Yeah. I wanted that officer to sit there and watch because if he would have watched maybe, watched him for another maybe a minute, minute and a half, maybe he would have saw something that's, hey, this kid's not huffing pain. Maybe this kid's got some kind of kind of issue or other type of mm-hmm. issue. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're so used to and ingrained in going fast, but everything everything with autism is go slow Mm -hmm. and be patient and de-escalate and sensory and all of those other factors that go with it and that's totally against what cops are trained to Mm -hmm. do yeah
1: yeah well I'm glad you're uh, here and I'm glad that you're out there training people again it's autismcop.com yes, correct ma'am. Yes, ma'am. and that's where you can reach him invite him to come to a family event and uh, you know call your local police department and and say do you have the training because if you don't here's this guy who will do it and, and most
7: of them know California at least they do and across the country I've been numerous states across the country Mm -hmm. and and if and if a family wants to bring it or or a parent wants to bring it to the local department have them get a hold of me i'll help them there you Um, go. i'm I'm more than willing to call the department and say hey this is a group that's looking at doing this can we make this happen there you go Um, and i'm more than willing to do that and you're one of them so i'm sure that they appreciate that that's i think what makes it successful is Mm -hmm. i can i i think what makes it successful for cops is i i actually open up for the first half hour of talking about when we learned brian had autism and me being depressed Mm-hmm. And I talk about the divorce rate amongst families of kids with autism. Right. And I talk about how I couldn't talk to my wife about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I still struggle with talking about it, to be honest with you. I can talk about Brian in a room full of all kinds of people, but right. if you sit me aside and talk about him, I, I, I have a, I struggle with it. How I, is Brian I do. doing now? He is phenomenal. Um, he's They say he's still nonverbal, but actually just yesterday he told my wife Linda, um, I'm talking a lot lately. Oh, that's um, great. And he right. kind, of, kind of pitched it together. But he is phenomenal. He... Um, I have three wonderful kids. My my 19-year-old son, Vinny, um, you know, does a great job with Brian and, and has been there with Brian through epilepsy and shares a room with him and, mm-hmm. and does all that, and you guys have met Izzy. Izzy's uh, awesome. Yeah, Izzy, as like I tell people, is the best little sister a, a, a child with autism could have. So I have a great family. My wife gave up her career, gave up her life to, to, to really kind of take care of my kids, mm-hmm. and, and there's... I, I'm indebted forever for that. you know. Okay. I, mean, I, I have the easy job. She's got the much tougher job okay. than me.
1: But it's wonderful that you're
7: paying it forward. That's like, an
1: amazing thing.
8: Okay, well, autismcop.com. Thank, Autism Autism
7: thank you guys for having me. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Now,
1: we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. We have yet another, another guest. guest uh, Gabriel Kaplan
8: Ma- Mayer.
1: Yes, and
7: so that's going to be
1: wonderful. Okay. Don't go anywhere.
5: If you're watching Autism Live, chances are you care about the life of someone, or perhaps many people, living with autism. You spend countless hours trying to make a better life for them. It may not have been easy for you to watch the show today. You know, sometimes you could be juggling so many balls in the air, you feel like a circus performer. I remember recently saying to a friend that as the mother of a son with autism, plus all the other challenges in my life, I feel like I'm carrying a tray full of glasses of water and that if one of them topples over, the whole thing is going to go crashing down. This empowerment moment is all about you. Now, I'm not a doctor or a therapist, but over the last nine years in my autism journey, I've learned some things that have helped me shift from being a victim to having hope. See, I've been in that place, down on the kitchen floor, on my knees, Praying for answers of what happened to my child. I've been in that place covered with blood and tears after one of Wyatt's giant tantrums where I said, Where has my fairy tale life gone? I have a feeling you're a member of that kitchen floor club too. And I've been my wrong. It's been a process. But I've come from that place of being a victim to becoming an advocate for my son Wyatt and for many others as the executive director of ACT Today or Autism Care and Treatment Today. Let's start with reframing the way you think about yourself and your child. I want you to say after me, I'm an activist. That's right. I'm an activist, because just by watching this program, you are taking positive steps to make the world a better place for your child or someone else living with autism. You are a positive force of action in the world. I want you to start thinking of your so-called disability as an opportunity, because it's within our challenges that our greatness is revealed. That's where we find our courage and resiliency. And parenting a child with autism is one of the greatest challenges a parent can face. You have the choice to see this as a journey of self-discovery. Some people take expeditions to climb Mount Everest to see what they're made of. You don't have to travel that far because parenting a child with autism is an expedition of the soul. Until next time, Stay strong and keep the faith.
10: twins, Justin and Jessica, were premature babies, so we always were very conscientious of their development. But I think it was probably 15 months, Justin started getting really obsessive-compulsive with opening and closing doors. And Justin started tantruming a lot, too. Get out! Get out! These would be major tantrums that were just completely debilitating to the family.
0: Having to take them out of the house, put them in the car, drive around, just to calm him down.
10: I remember a breaking point and just thinking, you know what, we gotta do something, this is not right. Once we were on the track to getting a diagnosis for autism, we started sharing that with our close friends and family. It just so happens that somebody from our older daughter's private school called us out of the blue. She introduced herself and she says, I know that recovery is possible. Those words so early in our journey were a guiding force for us. As we got more educated in knowing what is effective therapies for kids with autism, we realized quality ABA is vital to that progress. That's where we decided that CARD was the right provider for us and for our son. Justin responded very well to therapy. The behaviors were tracked and we saw that what was being instituted was working.
4: Justin, what are you doing? I'm coloring. You are coloring! Good for you!
10: There was real progress and there was progress that was tangible.
4: I just remember when he he made a sentence. He said a sentence. We are just happy about it, going, No way, I can't believe you just did that. What's
1: the date?
6: The 18th. 18th of what month? December. Oh, what year is it?
2: 2007.
6: Oh, okay, so how old
10: are you today then? Five. Five. The therapies that Carr did for Justin didn't just impact his daily living skills, but it was a positive impact on our entire family.
9: Justin. I am in fourth grade. I like playing video games sometimes. My dream, to build a teleporter machine. It's like sometimes if like we're on an airplane and it's like really long, you guys just say, oh, hurry up with that teleporter machine. We're waiting on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started Friday Night Lights. This is our third game of the season and um, it's pretty fun. You have to be fast.
10: We attribute so much of Justin's recovery to CARD. Their goal was the same as our goal. We wanted Justin recovered. June 12, 2008 is a day that I celebrate every year because that is the day that Justin was deemed recovered from autism. And Dr. Doreen grand met with us, looked at him and just said, he's brilliant. You need to keep his mind stimulated because he's very smart and he has no residual traits of autism.
8: And we are back, and as promised, we have another guest. We have Gabrielle kaplan Mayer, who's an experienced educator, author, and speaker. <laughs> Um, And at the Jewish Learning Venture, she works as director of the Whole Community Inclusion uh, Program and leads disability awareness programs for the Philadelphia Jewish community. Welcome to the show, Gabrielle.
11: Thank you. It's so great to be here with you
8: both. And should we call
1: you Gabby or should we call you Gabrielle? Which would you prefer? You know, everyone calls me Gabby, so that's great. Okay. Okay. And we were talking before we started that I remember you, actually neither one of us can remember, I think you've been on both this show and the radio show that I used to do, Everyday Autism Miracles, that we had you on talking about you had a children's cookbook that was absolutely amazing. Well, I, and that was, that I still remember because it was so cool and you talked about the sensory experience of it. So everybody can go and check that out too. But as we were saying during the break, Gabby has been busy. There's no moss growing under Gabby's feet. Gabby's been doing a lot of different things. And one of the things that you have done is a, a new journal that's called Reflection, Expression, and Courage. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and why each and every one of us should have one. Sure, so I have my
11: copy right here, by the way. Um, you can find it on Amazon. And I wrote it because I felt that parents need a place to have um, just honest expression, to be able to write what's on your heart, what's on your mind. We are all so busy. I know we don't all have time for therapy. We don't have, all have time for long phone calls or coffee dates with our friends. But I found for myself, when I have ten minutes here, five minutes there, maybe fifteen minutes to exhale a little bit, notice what I'm feeling, and reflect on my journey as a mom parenting a son who's almost sixteen who has autism and an intellectual disability, Um, it's extremely healing for me to be able to reflect on both my challenges and my blessings. It's easy for me to write. Um, I I write all the time. But I know for a lot of parents it might be hard to know where to start. So I created a journal that has different prompts that will guide you into thinking about, um, you know, as I said, the blessings, the support that you have,
8: as well as just, you know, the honest feelings of struggle that we all go through. I just think this is so yeah. important. It is important because a lot of us don't take the time to process our thoughts.
1: And, you know, years ago, I'm sure there were a lot of us in Los Angeles, well, around the world, there was a book called The Artist's Way. Did right. You remember? Yeah. And, and there was a thing where every morning you had to sit and write three pages. Daily and you pages. called them your morning pages. And you And you would write, and it was such a mentally healthy thing. Mm-hmm. And so much would come out of it. That you know, things, dreams that you had, that things that you wanted to do, would come out of it, mm-hmm. and and I, for one, as an autism mom, have gotten really far away from that. Nice, <laughs> you right. know, so what a wonderful gift to the autism community you have created, Gabby. Thank you so
11: much. Yes, I I really relate to that, and I have a morning routine where I um, try to get up and also begin my day. I aim for like. 10 to 15 minutes of writing, Um, and if I aim for doing that as a daily practice, it happens two or three times a week maybe, but I also just keep the journal in my purse because sometimes it's that like sitting in the carpool line at school pickup or waiting before a doctor's appointment. You never know when you might have time, but it just feels so healthy to be able to share what's on your heart, to put it into words. And the other thing is that I think that sometimes people prescribe to us what our story is. Um, Others might think our lives are sad or only challenging. And I might want to write about the joy in my parenting experience and just having the permission for you to be in the seat as the writer, the one telling your own story. Mm
8: -hmm. Now you have another book that, while it doesn't have a direct connection to autism, you said that there are some things that came out of that that um, are somewhat connected. Can you tell us about the Little Gate Crasher?
11: I can't. I've got, got that right here too. So the Little Gate Crasher came out in 2016 and I've been doing a lot of book talks about it. It's a memoir of my great uncle Mace Bugin who was born in 1915 and um, he had dwarfism. He was 43 inches tall. I remember him as an incredible, friendly, outgoing, really fun uncle. And we wanted to capture his life story because it was so extraordinary. He did many amazing things, including becoming a self-made millionaire in the real estate business, that having grown up in a great depression, you know. And he, um, all his life, there was so much and prejudice in society against people with any kind of difference when he was a young person and an adult. And I think he easily could have retreated, he could have hid, and instead he really put himself out there, even though he faced being stared at, he faced taunts. Um, And to me, this was an important message to make Everyone in society mindful of just understanding that as human beings, there are all kinds of varieties and differences that we have. Um, I have had many times, and I'm sure you both have, and every autism parent has had times when you've been out in public with your child, maybe a meltdown's going on, maybe it's just you know. For me now, my son is almost 16. He's five foot 11 but I'm holding his hand. If we're crossing the street or we're in the grocery store, he needs my guidance. And it's amazing how people feel free to stare at you as if you're odd or they don't understand you or your life. And, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot to stop staring and to simply smile at someone. And so I think my uncle was a champion of just, being who he was, despite the fact that the outside world could be very cruel to him.
8: Right. So he was an inspiration for you. And you said that your great-grandmother was a role model for being an advocate for her son.
11: She was. She was born at a time when so many families were told to put simply put a child away if they had any kind of disability. She not only didn't allow that to happen, she raised her son with unconditional love. And I think that was what fueled him to, um, to go to school, to succeed, and to,
8: you know, live, live a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, where can we get both of these books? The, the journaling book, uh, Reflection, Expression, and Courage, and The Little Gate Crasher.
11: So you can find them both on autism. You can also go, I have a website, GabrielleKaplinMayer.com, and I have links to all the books there. So um, please check them out
1: okay thank you so much for all the work that you do uh you you are such an advocate you speak you write you've got these books out there and if uh, also if people want to book you to come and speak where should where should they get a hold of you gabby they can
11: also go to gabriellecaplinmayor.com you can check out the little Gate Crasher, it has a facebook page um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm but really the website GabrielleCaplanaire has my email and contact info and I love to come out and, and speak for community.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you so thank much you for, for everything work. that you do and for joining to have me you on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, you take care. Bye bye.
8: Okay, Bye. I think we're close to out of time. We are, are gonna, very
1: close to out of time, and we've got a
8: ginormous show,
1: show tomorrow, um, and so I forgive me if I forget something that's going to be on, but um, one of the things that I love that we're going to have on from our uh, toy guide, mm-hmm. uh, there's a company called Brickful Things that they make custom necklaces out of different toy pieces, right. including... Um, out of bricks made by, you know, companies that we know the name of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know okay. that I'm allowed to say. Okay. But uh, but they're like so clever. And if you have a, a, a kid or an adult, I've got a brother-in-law who just, you know, he's in his 30s. My, I think he just turned 40. And he loves all things bricks, right? Okay. And so you can get cufflinks made. You can get necklaces made. So uh-huh. we're going to have him be on the show. Um, we've got Bonnie Yates, of course, answering questions. We have a, a wonderful gentleman who's going to be on with us talking about uh, another venture that uh, where they've taken a business and they've employed people on the autism spectrum so we're thrilled to talk about that but then the big thing on the show tomorrow that i really want to put forward you know dina kimmel we love dina kimmel from we rock the spectrum there's a couple that have owned the glendale we rock the spectrum Mm -hmm. gym for a long time Um, deborah portney and michael and I can't think of what Michael's last name is, but they're amazing autism parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Such an amazing story that they have for themselves, and they created... This uh, we rock the spectrum in Glendale. I've been to the location. It's a beautiful, beautiful gym, and its particular focus is teenagers. They okay, have things great. very specifically for teenagers. It's so awesome. Yeah, because cool. we rock the
8: Spectrums have them for younger kids. Yes,
1: and but this one is specifically for teenagers. They have uh, equipment that is meant for teenagers mm-hmm. to work out on, right. and they have like a uh, a surfboard table where uh-huh. they can have parties. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. And the landlord, out of nowhere, has just decided to double their rent, and wow. I'm double their rent. <sighs> now this incenses me, and and they have they have gone to the landlord and said, hey, you know, we understand an increase, but mm-hmm. double, doubling is really and, ridiculous. And and they and they said, you know, and they were logical and said, hey, you know. I mean, we can't really afford that, and you've right. given us almost no time, and, and you know, can we negotiate it all? And his response was, no, I would rather have it sit empty for a year and get that rent than to negotiate with you. So is
8: there anything to be done about well, this? Well, I
1: think there is something to be done about it, and so they're going to be on the show tomorrow, and we're going to, they're going to talk about some of the things that they've got in place and ways that we can help them and ways that we can use our voice mm-hmm. to say this isn't right. Right. Um, you know, they're are just times when we all need to stick together Mm -hmm. on certain things and this is one of those times where I feel very uh clear that they're pushing these folks around because you know they think they can yeah and we can push back as a group of people so they're all going to be on the show Dina's going to be here uh Michael's going to be here and we're going to talk about what's happening and what we can do about it and I'm I'm incensed that this is happening, but I'm thrilled that we're going to be able to move this dial and, and make something else happen. Okay, good. Because this cannot happen. All right, good. we're totally okay, out, of, out time, of time. But uh, so glad to be here with so you, my So glad to be here with you, too. And we'll see you again in 2019. In 2019. Can you believe no. that? Amazing. That is cray-cray. I know. But um, <sighs> thrilled to have had another, another year under our belt yes. together. Yes. Um, My friend, I appreciate you. Okay. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And
8: yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye
1: for now.